Welcome back to another Detunes Radio. It's been uh, been a yes. little bit. Um, I'm trying to. Well, figure we this always out. say that, but it's been. We always say that. We always say that. And this point, but the listeners don't know. It's been a little bit. The listeners don't know. The, I believe this is going to be published. Yeah, it's this will all be, be published. published so, published. It, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, we missed a week because I went to Vegas on a uh, work trip, uh, work conference how they get thing. You. And uh, I've been a very good boy for two years and some change and, like, followed all the COVID rules. And when you get to Vegas, it's just like, no one is wearing a mask. COVID does not. COVID never existed there. Or is everyone in Vegas wearing a mask? No, I can. I can. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for getting deep. Uh, No. So it's just like, look, I'm here for. A little over 48 hours. I'm not going to do the whole thing with a mask on. Uh, no one I was with was. So I rolled those dice because yep. it was Vegas. I gambled. And uh, I... I uh, what you is gambled, it? You gambled, you went, and you stole, a hooker's, you, st- you stole a hooker's stiletto, and you licked it. Got COVID. That's how I got COVID. Um, so I, got COVID. <laughs> I uh, got COVID, brought it home. Started- I'll point out you didn't get it from me. Started Thursday. Wife and I try. I mean, we have a a nice house, but it's not. It's not a house. We don't have wings, so it's not a house that's convenient to socially distance in. She tried, but like we had hung out all Thursday after I got home. So Friday when yeah, I tested yeah, positive, yeah. she's like, "I'm gonna stay away from you," and I was like, "You definitely have <laughs> you it." Already it's got just, it. Yeah, just dating, but she tried. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, oh crud, what was it? Sunday, she wakes up with it, and she's gotten it way worse than me. So I felt pretty, like, Friday hit me really hard. Saturday, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm feeling good again. And then, like, you know, I started uh, taking the Paxlovid. I've been taking DayQuil, so I've been taking enough drugs I feel good. And now, like, today I feel borderline 100%. She is... Uh, takes to sickness very poorly and this is no exception so it's kicking yeah. her butt so yeah that's a shame so yeah that's uh so that's why we didn't do or we didn't record last week. again we released the same time you don't but know that's what we yeah. missed none of you know this so i finally succumbed to the the coronavirus uh but i uh do think that being vax vaccinated and yes. boosted yeah uh, probably kept me out of the hospital or kept oh, me from having a really bad time yeah 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 like if, if um, i didn't know that covid existed i would have just thought i had a cold i genuinely would have <laughs> yeah, just thought right. it was a normal cold that's and that's what i thought when i had it because i did test negative when i was at my worst actually but whoa then michelle tested positive before she started getting really sick so then I was like, uh, well i guess i'm positive <laughs> she actually at one point got it uh, last year, and I didn't somehow, and I did not. So, try. Oh, so she's gotten it twice. Yeah, I that did, stinks. but the first time was very, very mild. She thought it was allergies, and she only <sighs> tested because she had it so long. But um, I did not test positive at any point in that, and I never felt any symptoms. So uh, it is huh. possible to. It's it's weird. It's who knows what's going on right now. It seems like it's just everybody's getting it. So. This I've known more people now than I have at any point. Like after we said the pandemic, well, not like we we, but the royal we said the pandemic is over. We're lifting restrictions. (laughs) Yes, and like everyone I know 
has gotten COVID in the past two months. Yeah. Whereas before that, like most of it I knew was being so, so uh, right. cautious and whatever they weren't getting it. So yeah. So mm-hmm. it's still out there folks. That goes, it's out there. Um, anyways, a, a point, a point I wanted to bring up cause I always mention the show notes because uh, we, mm. we talk fast news in here. We, we agreed yeah. up top. We say like, a lot. When we started this podcast, it's going to be in, it's going to be uh, uh, impossible for us to stop every time <laughs> to explain everything to everybody. Like if we if we name drop something and you don't know what it is, one, you can Google it. But two, I'm probably going to put it in the, the show notes. But I've never explained where the show notes are. I just it's one of yeah. those luxuries that I just assume people listen to podcasts know. But yeah. no, whatever device you're listening to this on, if you open it up. So let's say you're using uh, Overcast, which is my first personal favorite, or uh, Spotify, whatever. Pocket Cast, Apple's official thing. There's if you look at the episode on there, I painstakingly. <laughs> I don't know if anybody It's looks. true. He works so hard. <laughs> he painstakingly put a lot of show notes in there. Um, you can go look at all the links and stuff that we talk about. But also, you can just go to detunedradiopod.com, which will take you to our uh, website, which right now is just an anchor page that might change yep. in the future. But whatever. I just want to throw that out there. The yeah. When I say it's in the show notes. They're there. You can find them in your, your pod catcher of choice, if that's yeah, what people still say. because we're not, not going to stop every time we mention like somebody like Sidney Applebaum you just got to figure out who who's, that is. who's that I'm gonna put that in the show notes I don't know who that is <laughs> it's uh, uh in one of the uh shoot who was Bill Hader's character on Weekend Update with the he had all the Stefan all the hot clubs Stefan uh John John Mulaney when he was a writer for the show would always like throw in inside jokes and one of the inside jokes was a guy named Sidney Applebaum which is apparently a very obscure scene from a very obscure movie that Bill Hader thought was hilarious. <laughs> but then to the rest of us, he's forced to read the name Sidney Applebaum <laughs> and can't keep it together. And we're that, like, what does this mean? Yeah, I mean, I think half the bit of that sketch is knowing <laughs> oh, it's knowing all, how yeah. their dynamic works and that <laughs> right. Bill Hader's trying to do this character, but he's seeing this stuff for the first time written by his <laughs> friend John Mulaney. <laughs> Uh, that's good. If you don't know what Stefan is, uh, I'll put it in. Put the it in notes. the show notes. There um, you go. But yeah, how that's was your? You know, uh, uh, how was your trip out? Here? Like, did, did what was I? Was I a good Airbnb? <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh, you were fine. Airbnb, uh, very flexible. Um, our because our flight was canceled the day we we're supposed to leave, so we ended up staying that's, an entire extra day. <laughs> we were supposed felt- to leave it like bad about that because like i had i had all these like plans lined up for that right day, and i was just sort of right like, I'm like sorry dude i gotta go do all these plans we had plans too <laughs> you know like we were gonna go to the airport at 10 a.m but said we had to go to the airport at 7 p.m well you guys got um, to see uh golden gate the, park in japanese oh, yeah, tea yeah. garden yep. which you didn't get to do yeah we uh, got before yep golden gate park uh so our uber driver there was just some sf townie who is mm-hmm lived here forever lived there forever sorry Mm -hmm. and was just like giving us the lowdown on all the spots and his apparently his family owned a shop right next to golden gate park in the 60s and so he was like well the thing tells me to let you out here but (laughs) i'm gonna take the long way to show you more of the park so it was kind of nice he did uh he did ask michelle if we knew what we're having before Michelle said anything about her being pregnant. So that was a little iffy, but she is pregnant. So <laughs> you lucked out there. 
Well, yeah, there's, you know, you never, like, no. I just followed the mantra, you never even say anything no. unless, unless the woman anything. offers up, but if your, wife looks, child is your wife looks definitely pregnant. Now, yeah, she looks pregnant now. She she does look pregnant uh, because she is pregnant. Um, but yeah, so he asked that and Michelle goes, she looked over at me and goes, I don't know if I said anything. <laughs> so I was like. There were, but then uh, we just there, we just answer the question, you know. There but, were two women um, uh, on my uh, my work conference that were v- very obviously pregnant, not drinking, um, mentioning that they were being bothered by the smoke, and I still was like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna <laughs> say a dar- I'm gonna wait smart. for them to be like because that's I'm pregnant smart. and that's why I'm not drinking. Smart. Uh, yeah. So I didn't say a darn thing. So I was like, nope, not gonna <laughs> fall for it. Right, right. It's you know, it's tricky. It's uh, tricky. But other than that, you you had a good trip out here. Yeah, had a good trip. Um, I could have done without the detour to LAX, which is the worst airport in the world. We guys um, had a, a rough time. Oh um, man, yeah, we had to take the red eye into Chicago and then rent a car <coughs> at five a.m. to drive home. It was bad. It was and you really had a bad. show that night too, right? It was the next day. Oh, so you had okay. So you just had a yeah, whole yeah, day yeah. to yeah, sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were supposed to get in Thursday night. We got in Friday morning early. Okay. And then the show is Saturday. But yeah, it was it was rough. I did have a dream last night that I was back in San Francisco. I for whatever reason was there with my friend Kyle from my church and I was like hey you want to grab lunch and we Mm -hmm. went to some place that in my dream looked very similar to Tartine Mm -hmm. uh, which is the deli that we went to and I got what in my mind was described as a brioche sandwich Mm -hmm. brioche is a bread that doesn't describe the sandwich at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's what it was in my mind and we got like this nice appetizer whatever (laughs) Um, there was some pop-up dessert that we got and then I was like, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of everything. And then I went to pay and it was $700 <laughs> and I was like, that's way more than I was expecting. That's just a San Francisco. Lunch. Right. <laughs> right. And then, then I felt too awkward to like bring it up to him to like ask if he could split it <laughs> because I had already offered to buy lunch. Which is how you know that it was a dream because I absolutely would have said, "Hey, bro, if you'd have been like, bro, hey, this is bro," nice. <laughs> I also would have said, "Hey, guy, how come this is seven hundred dollars? That's not I, the printed price on the menu." I've had a few of those since. We, I mean, not anymore. But the first year of living here, there were a few times I went out and didn't quite look at the menu closely <laughs> oh, enough sure. and just let the night. You carry didn't check away. the price. You just swiped. Yeah, just. <laughs> Check <laughs> the price. All I do is like, and then they and then they would come, and I would be like, "This isn't accurate." And then I would look at the bill, and I'd be like, "I guess it is. This is weird. <laughs> uh, I don't like yeah. this one bit." Yeah, um, but no. So we'll see uh, how long my my uh, San Francisco <laughs> sticker shock dreams last. <laughs> um. Speaking of uh, San Francisco, we're not going to talk about San Francisco at all. Uh, no. That's what we talked about last time. We did. Uh, a whole lot. Nat and I have been wanting to do an episode about the uh, garage rock revival or rock revival. There's several terms um, attributed to it. Wikipedia even calls it the post-punk revival for some reason. Which, you know... Interpol, I guess. <laughs> like, that's Interpol and Black Party, I guess. 
so so now, what Nat and I have decided, and what kind of I mean, we're not a, this isn't something we just arbitrarily draw out of a hat. You know, the music journalistic world has kind of decided this too. Is that this era kind of starts with? Um, is this it? Uh, by, by the Strokes, the strokes and uh, ends kind of with Vampire Weekend self-titled coming out in what did I say? Oh, two thousand eight. Eight. I took a bunch of notes here. Now I'm trying to read them, and they're, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. me. But yeah, so that's the sort of window, and and perhaps why. It's, and so I yeah. was a late teen during this era into my early twenties, and I can tell you it was a very radically different time than the nineties before yeah. it. Uh, I have a very clear memory of the first time I heard last night by the Uh strokes and at that point i um and i was maybe a little late to it um maybe not i remember seeing the music video on fuse tv and was like blown away at the i was just like what is this like because it looked like even the music video looked like them performing on johnny carson yeah 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 they were a looked like nothing at the time yeah i'm trying to remember was that just a plain back uh, yeah. Plain white background with it's just them playing yeah. with it looked like and, them playing on the Tonight Show or something right and like hate to say I hate to say I told you so by the Hives had like the exact same aesthetic but like last night was the first one and I basically dragged my family to uh, <laughs> Sam Goody <laughs> yeah <laughs> what we went to the mall and I was like I need to go to Sam Goody for this CD and I bought it having heard no other songs on it. And I put it in having no expectations whatsoever besides that song. And uh, I, I rem- there are two things I remember. I remember um, either one of my family members asking, why does it sound like he's singing in a tin can? And <laughs> I uh, was doing this thing uh, and I, I guess I do various versions of this now still where every time I would get a CD I would read the liner notes and see what bands they're thanking mm-hmm. and then kind of like go and like web out from there and so at that point I, I totally did this too oh, I would yeah absolutely. I'd read the liner notes and if they mentioned a band or whatever yeah. I'd be like oh I gotta go check out that band now so I w- um, I had been really into like I had been starting to get into emo and Mostly like a bunch of tooth and nail stuff. So like emo and metalcore, or not quite metalcore yet, more emo core. And so most of the times, like I'm reading this and like I'm seeing the same bands. Like I'm seeing, you know, Thursday is thanking Finch and thanking whoever and whatever. And like it's, you know, they're all mm. kind of tied in there together. But then I remember getting, I, I was sitting on my bed. I pulled out the liner notes and I'm reading through there looking for bands that I knew and I didn't know any of them. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is something entirely different. Mm-hmm. This is not anything I've experienced before. <laughs> like, I am I am in the deep end here and this is my only flotation device. Um, and then, of course, you know, I kept watching Fuse TV. I already mentioned the hives. Um the white stripes had fell in love with a girl, which is the least white stripesy track ever. Maybe um, that video had the Legos in it, and that one was playing all the time. Uh, I remember the Vines were playing there all the time, and mm-hmm. uh, Get Free was on there, and that was like just a revelation at that point. It was like it 
had this energy that was so punk, but it wasn't punk. Yeah, it was this thing that, you know, we've, we've said this a lot on the shows, the older you get with music, or the, the older you get the more music you listen to, the harder it is to be blown away by new stuff because you just go, oh, I've seen that before. <laughs> sure. But, like, when you're of that age, right, you know, this, yeah, were all of these bands kind of uh, pulling from, I don't even want to say ripping off, because, but they were heavily influenced by the Velvet Underground and yeah. the Kinks and a lot of other 60s, 70s bands that were of a certain style. But, like, the other thing that made it so amazing is, is I want to set the stage for, uh, again, I was born um, 85, so, like, I was 14? 14, like, 98, 99. Um, and, like, 7th grade, or, like, 12 was when I kind of came online to music, so that yeah. was, like, 97. So... The biggest album, like I, I remember, was going from only only owning Christian tapes, music <laughs> yeah. tapes, um, to getting a boombox and having friends at school. Again, I went to a Christian school, but didn't like it didn't matter. Radio, you know, we yeah. were all listening to the same radio, right. and it was Corn had come out with their third album with Freak on a Leash and got the life on it, and got the life was actually the first single. Uh, that was huge on I don't know if TRL quite existed yet but it was huge on MTV and Limp Biscuit, who Korn kind of like <laughs> fostered and like put out came out with their record $3 Bill Y'all with yeah. the cover and that like this is the era that everybody talks about of like J- uh, Jinkos and yes F- if you every men's clothing especially was just overly super huge. baggy it was all like a a tent that just hung off of you yeah like, and there was like unnecessary metal bits and stuff yes. that you were convinced that you needed if because you're gonna clip stuff the zippers and the wallop chains and yeah the ball like, chain i had a wallet chain and i was like i had like i <laughs> the I most had, ever had and there was 20 dollars. i know i had a three foot long ball chain <laughs> wallet chain that's it was I mean it's a foot and a half when you like loop it down but like it was man I got snagged on freaking everything (laughs) I I was ever bold enough to get a proper like the front to back one wallet chain oh you got one of those Uh, uh, here is my here's my ball chain choker that is still it just lives in my music room (laughs) I found it I had several I had several of those so yeah this is the era and like Pacific Sunwear was probably the coolest place you could shop at and then hot topic was just starting to hit the the mouth and at the time well hot gothic hot topic what it is now is gothic um might as well (laughs) hot gothic hot hot topic what it is now is radically different oh yeah it is right now it's just sort of a catch-all for what i would say would be alternative culture which includes like nerd culture so like yeah which includes nerd culture you can go there and buy like invader zim socks and stuff (laughs) but when it came out it was like goth you know it was you know my mother forbade me from going into that store i i remember going in they had one at a mall near us uh that was like an hour away and we went and i remember seventh grade or so going in with my dad and my dad was just like, this place is like, I don't like, I don't like this at all. You know, and all the t-shirts said something, you know, they were t-shirts with like swear words on them that weren't even, yeah. weren't even crossed oh, out or man. whatever. And so that's like the scene I'm trying to set here. And every 
band that comes out is in the new metal genre and then even if they weren't new like and one thing when i was doing research for the show i was trying to think of I'm like what are all the one hit wonders and bands i forgot about yeah. uh i don't want to mention a one hit wonder i want to mention kid rock like we forget he came out as like a new yes, metal rap i was gonna bring guy. him up because in that very same era it was the era of like napster and mm-hmm. i was coming I was downloading all the music that my friends were telling me to do. And then you go to youth camp Mm -hmm. and they're telling you how bad all this music is for your soul and whatever. And you got (laughs) to throw out all your CDs. And so I distinctly remember I came home and what I deleted off my computer was Freak on a Leash, Nookie, and Bawa Taba. And those were the three I, I songs. Think Nookie, I think your youth pastor had a point. <laughs> I mean, I would say I should have deleted them because they all sucked. But <laughs> hey, I'll I'll still say that I think Freak on a Leash is a pretty good song. It's not my cup of tea anymore, but I respect what I I, res, I have respect for. I've come full circle on corn and that I don't personally listen to it. But sure. I, I respect anybody who manages to fit a scat solo into a new metal song and make it. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't just kind of do it. Oh, like, he went he there. He did it a lot. <laughs> it was. And it was like multiple songs. And, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and then two also of this era, what is the subject matter of these songs? Well, you've got, Limp Biscuit with with Nookie, which is a, a dumb song about sex. But is that what it's about? <laughs> we we still don't know. I don't know. Give it pop, pop a goog uh, for Nookie. See what comes pop up. Pop that goog. Um, but no, like I remember being an angsty, yeah. edgy, upset uh, junior high, early high schooler, and this is right before I found emo. Right. right? So this era is mostly junior high, and. Uh, Corn is singing about very heavy subject matter. Their their oh, fourth yeah, yeah, record yeah. issues, you know, the song Falling Away From Me is about like I think being abused by your father. Yeah. And this is like number one well, hit it, material. This is not like underground yeah. stuff. This is yeah. like playing after Britney Spears right. videos. And, on a and TV. to that to that point, that was the topic of much of hybrid theory by Lincoln Park. Which mm-hmm. I have the two th- They're right in the I have the two thousand two Billboard two hundred pulled up. And they are number five, three places ahead of Britney by Britney Spears. So, like, these bands are hitting on these tough, dark issues. And, you know, I I definitely want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they were actually, like, it's all in earnest and stuff like that. But these are not, like, easily discussed issues in the public square, if you will. And here they are yeah. at number five on the Billboard chart because Hybrid Theory is basically an album about being abused. Well, and uh, and then we mentioned when Biscuit and whatever, there's the rap crossover, but then like a lot of yeah. hip hop artists to be edgy and get the crossover right. Eminem had a crossover just because oh, yeah. he was white, but yeah. you had a lot of guys like DMX and... Um, like Cypress Hill. Rhymes, Cypress, oh, Cypress Hill. Yeah. They were all doing these sort of crossover things or teaming up with yeah. these dark, gothic, edgy bands and sometimes even doing tours together to try to be like, hey, <laughs> predominantly white crowd, hey, predominantly <laughs> black crowd. Yeah. We're not that different. We're all dealing with the same stuff, which now, whatever I think is cool, good for them. And but now that we was have the Tech vibe. Nine. <laughs> but that was the vibe. Yeah. And... 
I remember, uh, so I didn't quite go from new metal to right. like garage rock. The gap in there for me was uh, to 99, 2000. I got really into the Get Up Kids and right. da da da, and that led to Thursday and Poison the Well. We've discussed all that at ad nauseum, but I remember um, my junior year. Yeah, it's my junior year. The Strokes is this it came yeah. out, and I was like, "This Excuse is me? <laughs> boring." Like, wait, are these guys serious? Like, because it sounded like nothing at the time, and even yeah. though it wasn't new metal, the the alternative to new metal that I was into was hardcore and yeah. uh, emo and stuff. I did not take to the Strokes. What got me was the White Stripes. I had a friend send me the White Stripes first record, and this was the Live Journal. Era. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, "Oh, what is this? Oh, they're this band from Detroit, and they're a brother and sister duo." And and it sounded like I was just like, "Wait, there's only two instruments, and they're yeah. making this much racket." Yeah. And so yeah. I, uh, I, I'm cool and hip. I was into the White Stripes before White Blood Cells came out. So when White Blood Cells came out, I ran to the store and bought that CD. Right. And was obsessed and that made me go back and kind of go oh the strokes were kind of doing this six months ago let me go check that out yeah i don't even remember what it was exactly that caught me so much about what the strokes were doing it just felt oddly like it felt rebellious in a way that wasn't like your typical like angsty throw a brick through a window rebellion where it's like almost more like uh, if you could call Weezer's Blue rebellious in that it's just like we're just going to be geeky as hell and who cares what you have to say about it we're going to do what we want to do and that yeah, the strokes um, sounded to me the strokes sounded more disillusioned and more adult sure, than the yeah. other bands because they were writing songs about like almost like being in New York City already, which was you know, I had never been, and <laughs> yeah. most most teens had not been to New York, and you know they're they're already in New York, and they're they're disillusioned with the bars and the girls, and it's just like they're already sort of like wow, life doesn't have much to offer, huh? Yeah, yeah. and they sort of had that vibe, which sounds depressing, but that's very different than like Corn, who's like my father abused me, and I'm going right. to write a record about it. You know. <laughs> well, also, do you remember the the band photos? In yeah, the, they were like the most the f- unkempt, like apathetic looking group of guys, and is the fashion like, was huge. Nobody was cutting their hair. Nobody is brushing their hair uh, at all. I remember, like, I think Julian Casablanca still had like a cigarette in his lip. That was yeah, they even, all like they all they smoked, all but dirty. in a different way yeah. than the new metal guys. It was yeah. like they <laughs> somehow they smoked in a different way. Like yeah. the the band, fo- the the fashion was the image. The whole bang was part of it because you'd see a picture of Corn or Cold Chamber, any one of these edgy bands, and they were staged to yes, look menacing and whatever. But they they had a look of. You knew there was lighting, makeup, and camera, and whatever. Right, right, okay, right. someone's sitting there going, "Okay, we want to look more goth. We want to look more depressed." Yeah, the Strokes looked like four buddies just hanging out outside a bar, and it gave yeah. it this vibe of such authenticity that you right. were like, "I want to go to that bar and like, <laughs> yeah, it, see them." Yeah, and so the other thing that has to be brought up about what was happening was that, um, and I. I'm, again, I'm only looking at like the 2002 is as far back as I can go on the Billboard website. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's reminding me here, post-grunge, as I'm going to call it, 
or butt grunge was <laughs> definitely either a new thing or still a thing. And so the other... What is post-grunge? So the top albums here in 2002, in the top 10, we have Weathered by Creed. Mm. We have Silver Side Up by Nickelback. <laughs> uh, there oh, was some other ones that I saw. Stained <laughs> has some albums that were real big. Uh, it's yeah. just like that whole, like that thing is happening at the same time as yeah. the Strokes then come out with is this it no it, it's really not like you i always mention that um because people talk about hybrid or lincoln park and hybrid theory and being this seminal new metal album to me to from where i was sitting when hybrid theory came out they were like late to the party now right. i recognize that that was a groundbreaking album that's a good album but i was sort of like oh there's there's still new <laughs> yeah new metal coming out right and then lincoln park obviously they lasted for a decade and some change but like oh for they, uh I you know maybe you're still together in some capacity now that i don't remember if they've called it quits after chester passed i it but. like hybrid three came out after is this it you yes. know yes it and did. That was just such like a weird... So you have this era where you're turning on your local alternative station and you're hearing Corn Limp Biscuit and, you know, Linkin Park kind of stuff. And then in between, you would hear the Strokes, the Hives, the Vines, and the White Stripes, which are yeah. I call the big four, and I've heard other people call it the big four, yeah. the initial push of, yes. like... Because there's, uh, there's always all kinds of music, right? Nat and I have talked about emo. There's always scenes for stuff, but I'm talking mainstream success. These were the four big bands that were, like, on, rolling, yeah. you know, big, big stuff. Yeah. And so I I tried to get some uh, some data to quantify this because it really was, like, a, a thing. I wish that I could, like, just pull up, like, Fuse TV from 2002 and just have yeah. everybody watch it for a while and see what's going on <laughs> as it's, ch- as see it's how changing. Changing between videos. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so um, I'm looking at the Billboard 200 from 2002 onward. Uh, I, I said some of the albums that were in the top 10 of 2002. Uh, Is This It was number 105. Yeah. I don't, so it still wasn't, it wasn't that huge. big in a. But in the music, if you're a music nerd, you were like, what? yes, you're getting there. And then also 2003 white stripes elephant is 57. Really? I thought that I know I wouldn't think number one, but I would think top 10 with the seven nation army was pretty darn big. Mm-hmm. Huh. Then 2004 uh, get born by jet is number 50, which Jet is a complicated one for me because <laughs> they had like all the stuff and they they got me for a bit. They really did. They got me for a bit and I bought I bought that album or one of my sisters bought that album and I borrowed it a lot. And then after a very short amount of time I feel I was like I actually there's nothing here. <laughs> there's really nothing here. That song That's... Timothy, that song Timothy was really good though. <laughs> I do That's the really thing like is you know, we're talking about authenticity and whatever, and we mentioned, I think Corn is a good example of authentic, whatever they're doing, like Jonathan <laughs> whatever they're Davis's, doing, they mean whatever it. they're doing, like Jonathan Davis's life story is what it is. And yeah. they, they, they mean it. And then you had all these hanger ons. And so by the time you get to yeah. like a band like saliva, oh you're just, it feels like hollow and like ridiculous. And that's kind of how jet felt. Uh, <laughs> what? 
Did well, I make you laugh for bringing up saliva? <laughs> that was the sound up. of me hitting my head on the microphone. <laughs> um, Which I... But then, you know, you've got the strokes <laughs> and the, the white stripes. And granted, yeah. these bands are not singing about subject matters nearly as traumatic and deep no. as the music before it. But there, when by the time Jet came out, there was a hollowness to it. It felt like... It felt like, oh, they're just stapling together these garage rocky bits and okay. And, you know. To move forward to then, here's the, the quantifiable data mm-hmm. in, my, in my arc. 2005, <laughs> Hot Fuss by the Killers, number 17. Th- that's one of the biggest albums of all time, though. Like, what the total, because that thing didn't, that was, that didn't just go bing and then no. die. Like that, no. Mr. Bright's. You can go into any restaurant tonight, yes. and they're playing Mr. Brightside. Which you know, it's was like written when he was like fifteen or something like that. It really, it's, when the Killers came out, I was kind of fatigued on yeah. the whole garage rock revival thing, and I remember being like, "This is undeniably very yes. good." And then I I bought Hot Fuss, and I was like, "This is like bangers." It's like, all the all way, way through. through. All the way through. Um, oh my the, god! So the other thing that was going on, uh, I guess, culturally at this point, and it might have been just because I was, you know, a fifteen-year-old who was learning how to play guitar, mm-hmm. and you know, when you learn to do any skill, you look to the people who are really good at that skill mm-hmm. and try to do that. And so, um, and also because I was hanging out with other musicians, I guess. But I feel like there was a really, I for one had a really big classic rock phase that hmm. lasted about 2001 to 2003 2004 and i kind of felt like everyone was going everyone i knew i felt was going through the same thing at the same time and it might have just been because you're 15 and that's when you discover who led zeppelin is i was gonna say my world view was we had the same thing because of the film almost famous like my whole frickle of people ah. we all got obsessed with almost famous and then we all started listening to like Led Zeppelin, and yeah, Cre- okay, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and all I, that stuff. Yes, at the same time that new metal's dominating radio, yes. and the Strokes are just coming out. Yes, I had not pieced that movie in with the with the cultural narrative, but I think it might be there. It was a big thing for like my friends. We would watch right. it kind of when we hung out. Right, right. <laughs> it's yeah. like a two and a half hour long it's, movie. It's too, a long it was, movie. It's a um, darn good movie. But no, and I feel like even like. Uh, emo kind of had a moment where it just became obsessed with indie, with uh, classic rock. So like Juliana Theory definitely had moments of like, oh no, we're just gonna do like Steppenwolf right now. And like uh, Vendetta Red, uh, who I never really got into, but I all anybody talked about with that band I felt was that the singer looked just like Roger Daltrey and that was like their whole shtick was that he looked like Roger Daltrey but then you know the strokes come out and you're like oh this is like the Rolling Stones the Rolling Stones don't really actually sound like that exactly but the strokes sound like the idea of the Rolling Stones you said that perfectly. You it, said that perfectly. The Strokes don't sound like the Rolling Stones. They sound like what people think the Rolling Stones sounded like if you were a kid and hadn't heard the Rolling Stones. Sure. to me, yeah. when they came out, I was like, oh, this sounds like my dad's generation of music. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is it kind of yes. does, but not totally. Right. So 
but yeah. The reason the reason I put that CD on in the car with my family when I bought it was because my stepdad was a big Rolling Stones fan, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I bet he'd like this. He did not. I did the same thing with my phone. Like there was no. He, he did not win. He did not. Well, just well because it's the area. Yeah, it's just anything new is what is this? Um, but no, I I got no, really into he, them. I will say he did like Wilco, so. Okay, I remember getting into sixteen or seven. I think I was seventeen. Whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, one of the Christmases of late high school. Because I and now I dove fully into the at this point was yeah. listening to everything, but still listening to my emo and hardcore and stuff, and getting into Bjork and Fiona Apple and stuff. But I had this strong garage rock revival wing, and I was really obsessed with the Strokes and yeah. the White Stripes, particularly. And I was like, uh, all signs, especially with the Strokes, all signs pointed towards the Velvet Underground. So oh, yeah. it's like I go to my. It was like Christmas, and I remember on my wish list I put like the Velvet Underground <laughs> and Nico yep. CD, uh, the Super Deluxe Edition, thinking that my dad and mom have no idea who, whatever. Sure. Like they don't know what they're buying, and my dad is like Velvet Underground, like and he knew, and I remember him being like, Lou Reed, that guy can't sing. They can't play guitar. Are you sure you want this? Son, I think he was like disappointed that oh man, my one of my first reaching back <laughs> to his era albums, I'm picking this thing that he's like, yeah. Why are you picking these 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 you know drug addicted guys who can't play their instruments kind no. of a thing? Uh, so and funny. I listened to the first three Velvet Underground records. I listened to so much yeah. in late high school, and yeah, they were in my rotation along with I, all the other stuff. I found a copy of it was when Hot Topic was still selling vinyl. There was a point where Hot Topic was the only place in the mall where you could buy vinyl. I remember being impressed going in there later and being like, I didn't know they yeah. sold vinyl, and oh my god. I mean, now you can go buy vinyl from Barnes and Noble, and Fye has some. That's really that's wild but to me. Um, but no, and, and Hot Topic has stopped selling it. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, it's, I'm sad. I'm really sad. Um, but I saw a copy of Velvet Underground and Nico, and I was like, ah, I remember hearing about this as the album that nobody heard it, but everyone that did started a band. So yeah. I guess I better listen to this album. And I listened, yeah. I bought it, and I listened to it, and it said, huh, I guess I have to listen to this <laughs> to the point where I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I love it. I love I love Velvet Underground. It's a hard listen, but it's, yeah, the first song I heard was oh, Heroin, yeah. and I remember being like, like I was oh a god, <laughs> Christian kid being like, is this a song celebrating heroin? Because all the anytime drugs were referenced in songs, even very mainstream, edgy, yeah, secular music, it was always referenced in a negative way. And yeah. here's a song where Lou Reed is basically slowly building for seven minutes. <laughs> Praising heroin. It's a seven-minute <laughs> like, song with I don't think a single guitar part. It's just a distorted violin. Heroin. Um, <laughs> but I remember just being. It was just so weird. Anyways, so this world of music is 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 happening, and you know, and then I want to I want to kind of we'll, we'll we'll come full circle, but I want to say kind of when there was a British invasion, which we'll get to, that was yeah. part of this. But where it ended, where it ended for me, where the capstone on it. And granted, the Strokes came out with a new record last year. It's not like these bands yeah, they're all still died around. in a, a comet, you know, <laughs> hit hit garage rock earth. But 
the vibe, the main, the mainstream vibe shifted, and what shifted it yeah. was Vampire Weekend because I was at. So I was my band was lucky enough to play South by Southwest that year, and South by Southwest was in. Austin. I want to say, oh yeah, it was. I was thinking of time. I think it's in <laughs> March. <laughs> I think it's in March or April. It was really hot, yeah. and so I'm down there, and you're trying to look the look. So I brought like my best, you know, and I, that's how I dressed at the time too. I dressed like I looked like I belonged in the Strokes, uh, <laughs> or wanted to look like that. And so we go do our gig, and literally that weekend just walk because if you've never been basically all the hub center area of austin kind of just turns into a festival like kind of almost shuts down and it's music everywhere and everywhere we're hearing about vampire weekend there's vampire weekend ads and posters everywhere and i'm hearing people talk about them and i'm like that is the stupidest (laughs) sounding band name i've ever heard what is this and then i saw a photo of them and they looked like I was like, what? "Is he guys playing shuffleboard? Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Like, it was, it was such a, a a middle finger to what had come in the same way that the Strokes, in a fashion sense, yeah. were a middle finger to uh, uh, new metal. And we've talked before about how grunge was kind of this middle finger to hair metal and all that. Now here's Vampire Weekend doing like we're gonna dress like your grandpa and make <laughs> really catchy yeah. Afro pop tunes. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, so we come home, so I, I remember being annoyed. I was like annoyed by Vampire <laughs> Weekend. Like I was just like, this band's like, I, I hadn't even like heard their music. I was just like, this band sucks because their name is stupid and look at them. I mean, how can they possibly be cool? And then I came home and I had a serious radio in my car and they were like on three stations at once. <laughs> yeah. And it was making, I was like, where did they come from? I was like, so angry. I was like, how did overnight? And sure enough, I came around on the record and liked it. But that really ushered in this kind of new sort of the, the, the van, the, yeah, it's, it's like, like the pitchfork, like the pitchforky indie. Yeah. Like your grizzly Because the strokes were successful without pitchfork. Yeah. You know, white stripes are successful without pitchfork. Right. But then like vampire weekend (laughs) You know, and I don't know if Pitchfork is entirely to blame, but there was like that whole like 2008 to 2012 indie scene. Like mm-hmm. every one of those albums that got like a best new music, all those indie rock albums, I would stand by are den- undeniable bangers. That's the most mm-hmm. on Pitchfork has ever been. Mm-hmm. And I maybe that's just because I was reading Pitchfork every day then, but that was, you know an era of indie rock that's like you know you had phoenix and spoon and uh Mm -hmm. like saint vincent grizzly bear fleet foxes like they're all in there and it's all great but like i would even say that all of those bands were even kind of ushered in by what the strokes and the hives and white stripes were doing yeah i i agree i want to get there because like we were talking about um arcade fire earlier and i think their first record was oh five or something like actually similar oh four arcade fire funeral let's see when did funeral come out was it oh four it was oh four so september oh four so right that's not that big of a gap between the strokes and and arcade fire and arcade fire sounds radically different like they were so weird when they came out but the thing that that nat's sitting on or that you're hitting on that 
that I super agree with is, is there's a series of bands that are very credited with being launched into the stratosphere specifically by yeah. Pitchfork and Arcade Fire. They are specifically their first record. The there's one, the uh, and then there's like clap your hands, say yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple I'm probably missing. And then Animal Collective had been around and been doing their thing, but they really got launched by Feels. Because that's when I heard the Pitchfork yeah. feels a really good review, and I was like, "This is weird, but okay." And then when Meriwether Post Pavilion came out, it kind of, right. you know, again in our world, we're probably like, "It was the biggest record ever." It was probably like the number two hundred sold record <laughs> of the year, but it did make the Billboard charts, though. Like um, that is a very weird record. It made the Billboard charts. I think they played. I think they played Purple Bottle. They played a song on Conan, like when Conan had his like original. <laughs> 12 yeah, 30 a.m. Yeah, yeah. to to 1 30 a.m. slot and it was just it was off of it was a song off of feels and they it was just you could just <laughs> tell conan was like what are the kids doing now um <laughs> but anyway so that's sort of the cap so that's where we want to now and i kind of want to say this ends in the the in-between and, well, was just this say, white hot blitzkrieg yes. of downstrokey guitars and it, Lyrics that maybe were on. life or death. Hold on. A, a white hot what? Did you say? A white hot. Say Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg? Yeah. Blitzkrieg. Well, how do you say it? Blitzkrieg. 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 <laughs> Joey Ramone did not say he it says over. Blitz. I'm he listening. Said Blitzkrieg. I'm pretty sure he, he says, says Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg. It's All right. Having, having taken German class. It's I'm going to say. I'm gonna chalk it up to my Midwestern accent. <laughs> um, oh yeah, but no, there was this like era where again, and then doing anything to your guitar that was super complicated too, right? Because yeah. you know all the new metal bands and stuff, <laughs> all like they seven made their guitar you know, seven string tune it down to whatever. Wes Borland, you oh know, God, was Wes who is a good guitar player, but like made a whole name for himself as look at the weird guy who like, was, does crazy stuff. I was obsessed with Wes Borland for a bit, like a few months. I was like, oh, I had a, I had a, a window where I was like, Dad, I need a seven string guitar. I He's like, why? And I'm like, because this man with weird <laughs> makeup wants me to get one. In like seventh or eighth grade, I remember sketching Wes Borland like just all over my notebooks. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> oh, so it was it was like, a romantic interest. Yes, for you. it was. No, no, it was just like this is such a weird. It's especially like the look that he had, where he's like he's mostly normal, but he had just the all black contacts. With, yeah, with glasses on over it. I was like, "This is." He would just. Huh. He would be like a yeah. little off, and well, what he Fred also, looked like Fred looked like the guy, you know, just like a like make kind of a like a bro douchebag, yes, maybe cool guy, uh-uh. and then he had this counterpart, yeah, alien, yes, who I think that was supposedly West Borland's origin story. That yeah, he, he was, was an alien, alien or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, he but he played like a, I believe it was like three bass strings and then four guitar strings on top of it because he it's, he played the bass as well it, it well and so i remember weird. reading like interviews with him in guitar world and him talking about what he does and i was yeah. just like okay even though i at the time <laughs> i was reading it i had long since not not enjoyed when biscuit i was like he's a very <laughs> guitar player yeah um but you go from that and you go from corn especially with the slap bass if you listen to the corn it's like like everything oh, is yeah. just very down 
everybody tuned their guitar sound at the time. And then you have this like the uber strokes. processed guitars. You have the strokes opening track after that little sound, which I still don't know what it is. He just goes, can it's a, it's a tape machine rewinding. That? Oh, it is. That's yeah. what the sound is. He kind of comes in with this crooning, which yeah. I can't croon as you can just hear. I, <laughs> I've tried to croon. I can't. And then it's just the guitar just, and I, I remember yeah. at the time being like, why do Which, they even have two guitarists in this say, band? This music is yeah. so simple. We, I was wrong. Right. It's not as simple as it sounds. But that line but, also, and you know, we've it's been discussed at length that last night is American Girl by Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And the strokes admitted this. And Tom Petty said, Well, it's cool with me as long as they're admitting it. But then also that opening track is basically where's my mind that guitar part it is slowed yeah it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right my you're mind right. slowed down um but no but like yeah but like it's they're playing telecasters and standard tuning what like yeah that like, like plugging your uh, like fender guitar uh, single coil guitar plugging your, yeah. your 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 guitar with single coil pickups into a tube amplifier <laughs> and kind of that being it yeah. was a revelation yeah it was it sounds so, so silly down. but and also we haven't really touched on just how many bands that were that were doing this oh yeah so we, we should circle top, back to now yeah kind of hitting all the bands so there were the big four that we mentioned there's the strokes white stripes hives and the vines each of them, I think, probably had like a pretty different ethos that they took mm-hmm. for it. Because like White Stripes and The Strokes, I don't consider to sound alike at all. Um, but I they, mean, they're both guitar bands. They're both but guitar it's bands. Like, That's about it. You That's know. really it. But then you have uh, the Killers. We've mentioned in Killers, uh, Interpol, their first record, uh, Turn on the Bright Lights, which is. To this day, huge. To this day is the record that, like, if people are coming over and I just need to hit like kind of a neutral audience, like mm-hmm. this is the album I put on because it is such just like a cool record. Um, when again, it was a twist. That, like every band you mentioned, like you mentioned Interpol, right? Interpol was not a Strokes clone. No, they were doing similar-ish kind of music, but then they had listened to a lot of Joy Division right. and they wore and black so, suits, right? You and know, so. Interpol was a post-punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Killers were a post-punk band, more or less. They were very much in that New Order sort of thing. Um, but you had bands like Hot Hot Heat, who bizarrely, if you look up the Pitchfork record, uh, the Pitchfork review, they described the Hot Hot Heat uh, uh, in the album um, "Make Up the Breakdown." They call them an emo band, which is bizarre. Um, you have the darkness, which was the glamiest any of these bands ever got. Yeah, the darkness was 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 uh, the okay. You you guys are bringing back what the Velvet Underground and stuff did. We're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna bring back like you know kind of the the Motley Crue era Queen. Of, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. It's even like Led Zeppelin and Queen, but yes. just the the vocals the, so, were very. Uh, schmaltzy the other the uh oh you also have like billy talent who oh yeah i forgot about that still going still going really uh yeah um the kills which you said you got into but i uh and the kills were very much in the same line as the white stripes but they kind of had their own thing because even though it was a duo it was a duo that 
only had a singer, a guitarist, and a drum machine. You know, yeah, so they yeah, were yeah. even more stripped even more down stripped with the down. white stripes. Um, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, I think, would probably be around the same thing. They were kind of doing what Jesus, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain were doing. It, but then you think about it, and Jesus and Mary Chain were basically kind of doing what uh, Rolling Stones and Velvet Underground were doing, except they're playing their guitars a lot louder. Um, <laughs> but... And you know, and then we mentioned Jet, who was doing whatever they were doing, and I'm I'm thinking about it now. Oh, and we gotta mention the 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 sort of the giant band. I'm thinking. Oh. Well, the the band I think we're missing. Uh, I forgot to, or I put it further down on our on our thing here is the AAS. The AAS are probably the third biggest yeah. to me. After you got the Strokes, the White Stripes, and then I would say of this era the AAS are probably the third biggest. And they sort of band. bridged the gap, I would say, between like the rock revival and the like indie explosion because Agreed. uh Fever to Tell is very much except for Maps. Mm-hmm. Uh that album is almost a punk album. Like it is yeah. it is a straightforward punk album through most of the album but then like show your bones is a lot more subdued and then um the one where she's breaking an egg <laughs> in her fist yeah that at that point that one is basically uh, they a, that's introduce a electronics pop. yeah that's a yeah, dance pop record almost yeah um, and each one of the records are big yeah changes it what right. it wasn't like they were all go because and they were known for for they were known for a long time in the new york scene and they had a couple eps yeah. and i remember seeing their stuff in record stores oh, but yeah, only yeah, seeing yeah. their ep heard for heard ages their names. heard their yeah. name forever and you know it was it was one of those things like chick 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 or uh or like yeah. latigro where it's like you never heard them but you heard <laughs> you heard the name everywhere um at least that was me in 2005 um, yeah but then like you also because we talk about new everybody who talks about this scene talks about new york all the time but like mm-hmm. also like there's huge elements because killers were from Las Vegas and then mm-hmm. you have a huge contingent over in uh, the UK where like it's sort of like coming out of Britpop where you have uh, like Arctic Monkeys, Future Heads, Libertines and then probably the best of them Block Party. Yeah, um, I got really obsessed with uh, Black Alarm. Party's first and second record particularly. But uh, yeah, Silent Alarm still holds up because I listened so they released uh, in, in preparation for this this episode. I revisited a lot of these records that were in my CD book in my car, <laughs> uh, and I went to listen to Silent Alarm. And on Spotify, it says a uh, Silent Alarm live, or some, I can't remember what they called it, but it's yeah. them playing Silent Alarm in its entirety live. It's like I'm gonna listen to this, and it's it is cool listening to the live version of it because you can just hear the crowd is like yeah. singing every word, oh, and it yeah. is one of those records where I know every word yeah. and can sing along. Yeah. It finally was reissued on vinyl a couple of years ago, and I was like, nice. "Good, now I don't have to spend two hundred dollars because I was prepared <laughs> to <laughs> for an original <laughs> pressing." Um, the one that I forgot from New York that is huge is TV on the radio. Uh, speaking of block party, and that's um, kind of getting have, more into the the what we were talking about the pitchfork yeah explosion. Yeah, but they, music. I mean, but they were around in like the New York scene mm-hmm. for a bit before they were then co opted into this bigger like indie wave. Totally. Um, but yeah, but I. So what's interesting though, uh, in. <laughs> 
because we're talking about what's going on in the 90s and yeah like new metal and grunge or like what's in the charts but like underground you have a whole bunch of really weird stuff going on like you've got bands like pavement uh you've got bands like sonic youth you've got bands like uh, neutral milk hotel that are sort of running this same sort of trajectory of like let's go back to you know what you know the old ragged rock and roll uh or like even folk music in the case of neutral milk hotel and then just like kind of blow it up out of the water and so mm-hmm. um that to me i think is the through line from like that sort of underground scene to the rock revival to like the indie explosion is like this sort of weird like just a constant reclamation of what was going on in different bands in the 60s and 70s totally and we you know you're always getting that and even now you and i've talked about the emo revival that's happened because i was sort of like oh like okay i guess that's <laughs> i guess over. people and are it's doing like, emo anymore again and now well now now i'm listening to it i'm like uh, like famously american football the band yes only who had one record until a couple years ago <laughs> now played at three. most in front of like a hundred not even like 50 people oh i think they um, played five shows total and that record just went on to be so and then the album art is boring right but yeah. it's subversive in how boring it is it's I, a shot of a house with a yeah. Lighting room and it's boring and people go there and look I, up at it i've been to that house even is I've it in champagne uh, uh, yeah yeah it's in champagne okay. urbana so the audio feed music festival which is actually um we are playing at the time of this publishing uh we'll be playing this saturday at nice 320 <laughs> So if you're listening to this, take a time machine on back one, a couple of days. No, and, no, 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 no. If you're listening to this, you still have time. Okay. So you're it. not this, not no, this next Saturday, Saturday but, okay. in recording time. Current Saturday, okay. July 2nd. If you guys are in driving distance of Urbana, Illinois, come see us at 3 P 3 20 PM. Also Pedro, the lion is playing. <laughs> uh, well, uh, awkwardly say hi to david bazan for me who yes. definitely doesn't know who i am yes absolutely um <laughs> a thing i wanted to kind of point out too of the british scene is because you mentioned the pop invasion but oasis had even changed their uh sound particularly there's a song called uh i won't say the full name on the podcast but they have a record called standing on the shoulder of giants it's their fourth record and the intro song is this kind of like it's like a drum machine and it's this real dirty bluesy riff (laughs) and there's really no lyrics except this i don't know what the uh the story is behind the audio the the vocal if it's an old man talking about something and then he sees some people effing in the bushes and the song is called effing in the bushes and if you've seen the film snatch it's used heavily in the film snatch but like even that in 2000 was you're getting signs that Oh, even this band who with you know Oasis, who is part of I would just say standard mainstream, they were on good old yeah, whatever you know they were they, on they, track they, to be like the when Radiohead abandoned the title of the biggest rock band in the world when they just went off and did Kid A instead <laughs> <Yeah>. of <laughs> continuing to be the biggest band of the world Oasis, yeah, so okay computer too yeah oasis was kind of poised to sort of take up that mantle not in any yeah. sort of like 
Oasis is as good as Radiohead was at any point, but like they were at that level of popularity where they were enormous. I read somewhere that what's the story Morning Glory sold so many copies in the UK that it was something like one in eight houses had a copy of what's this, <laughs> of the number sold. It was like one in eight houses and households in the UK had a copy of uh, what's the story Morning Glory, which is, is bananas. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a very, very big record. I'm I'm an Oasis defender, and watching the Gallagher brothers hate each other for nearly 30 years has <laughs> been very fun for me. They still hate each other. Oh, like, absolutely. The one... That's uh, all any interview with the Gallagher brother is, is just trashing think, the other brother. Like, I remember watching in the 90s, like, yeah. watching, like, like, Kurt Loder on MTV, and like, well, the Gallagher brothers are at it again, and it's like... <laughs> I, we can still say that in 2022. Or do you remember the celebrity, the episode of Celebrity Deathmatch? I, I absolutely <laughs> do. I absolutely do. Oh, man, what a there's show. There's a bygone era right there. What a time Emblem capsule. bygone era. Uh, yeah. But no, it's... Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> just, uh, just take a moment. Just pop a goog for Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> pop a goog for Celebrity Deathmatch. Watch the Weird Al. Watch the Weird Al episode. <laughs> Yeah, a couple other bands I want to mention who these two folks are forever in my top five bands of all time um, are the Grateful Ryan Dead. Adams, oh. Ryan, a- <laughs> hell no, Ryan Adams and LCD Sound System. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, what does Ryan Adams have to do with the New York scene? Uh, everything. He lived in New York <laughs> at the time, and he was friends with. <laughs> the strokes uh in the book um which i was going to read for this podcast but because uh i'm lazy and didn't uh, <laughs> <clears throat> only skimmed it you were going to read it for this podcast a month ago yeah i know i'm a bad person <laughs> um it's called meet me in the bathroom which is the name of the book and also the name of a strokes song it's by lizzie goodman and it's about exactly what we're talking about now it goes further encompasses a little bit more it goes up i think through 2011 and kind of includes stuff like Kings of Leon and whatever, yeah. but um, yeah. they talk about like the Strokes like uh, eventually like kicked Ryan Adams out of their circle mm. because uh, one of the members was was getting his drugs from Ryan and Ryan was a bad influence. Uh. Um, but Ryan was very much in the scene. He came out with or at least that's the story. He denies it, but whatever. Um, the he, he he moved to New York after you know Whiskey Town and coming out with Heartbreaker and makes Gold the record Gold which yeah. was a pretty substantial hit and he stayed in New York and and made the album Rock and Roll and made Love as Hell and so he's got you know he was never as big as these these more mainstream I mean he sold out Red Rocks like he's a big act but he wasn't on the radio like right. the other guys were talking about and then the other. Uh, side of that coin, very different than country music or alt country, is James Murphy and LCD Sound System. He yeah. was running a dance uh, label and, or a, I don't know what to call it. Like it's called Death From te- Above. Te- techno, yeah, yeah like Electronica. Uh, yes, that is the reason that Death From Above 1979 is called Death From Above 1979 because Death From Above records hit them with a lawsuit. So they changed, I did not know that that was the reason. So they changed their name as little as possible. That's funny. I did not know <laughs> that. Um, I knew they had to change their name because of a lawsuit. I just didn't 
know that it was connected to James, yep, Murphy. James Murphy's so, label. So James Murphy is running this label and then decides to do his own thing. And he, I think the first kind of single they put out is I'm Losing My Edge because I think he was 36, yeah. which is my age, <laughs> when that song was written or came out. And it's all about that. It's about being still loving music and still loving the scene, but mm-hmm. being like, I'm... Uh, I'm losing my edge to the kids. Yeah. They're, they're coming up from behind, and that is one of my favorite songs of all time. I have joked at several times that I want to get huge chunks of the lyrics from that song tattooed on me, <laughs> if not the whole song. Um, and Just a big, massive the, back piece. What's even funnier is that he ad-libs a lot of his lyrics. Oh, yeah. fam- famously, he doesn't sit down and like write in a <laughs> journal, or at least that's what he says. So a lot of that, well, I think, is just off-the-cuff yeah, crap that came with, into his head. With lyrics like, our president is black and yours is not. I believe mm-hmm. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe that. He's brilliant. Um, so LCD Sound System comes out with a double record as a debut oh, yeah. record. And I remember thinking Daft Punk's playing at my house, and I was like, this is all right, but it's kind of <laughs> meanders. Kind of it's kind samey. of long. Yeah, it's it's kind of samey, samey which is his out. whole thing, and now I love. Yeah. But he play, I saw them play on Letterman, and <laughs> I was a big Letterman. I've always, I grew up with Letterman. We were a Letterman house before we, you know, definitely not Leno. We, and we were a Leno house, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, Paul, uh, Paul Schaefer. Paul Sh- or, Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer is the actor. <laughs> his band, the 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 Late Show band, would um, play sometimes with the artists. And Daft Punk is playing at my house. Sounds like a pretty simple song. It's kind of the same three chords for like six minutes doesn't seem like it would take a big band and i'm watching the <laughs> late show so and people lcd sensism's already like eight people on the stage and then yeah. they enlist the late show band and they do this incredible version of daft punk is playing at my house yeah. and i was just like okay there's something more to this because one that was that was awesome but two <laughs> yeah. if paul is giving them the nod is giving this new york guy yeah old man you know coming out with this dance punk kind of thing the nod uh pay attention and now they're one of my favorite bands yeah. ever i feel like dave all had more of that in him than any of the other guys he had he was a massive dave was a massive ryan adams fan yeah. a massive foo fighters fan a massive uh, like he would get on there shake the guy's hands at the end yeah. like i love watching dave react uh when he doesn't know like if he doesn't know the artist and or if he yeah. does know him and they you know he's like holy right. you know yeah, yeah, oh yeah. man this is one of my favorite bands like he yeah. he he had a lot of ryan adams uh, on there just because he liked ryan yeah i remember uh the at the drive-in playing one arm scissor on there and it was like the day after september 11th too god and he i think it was like september 12th or 13th he flipped out i Mm remember he he lost his mind and then like the other one is like future islands who yeah he did when he went nuts i just his reactions are always just so good and it's sincere it's from the heart um yeah and i know when he got he had like a surgery and he had Foo Fighters come on and play. He said Everlong is his favorite song ever. Oh, and, nice. You know, Foo Fighters came <laughs> on and performed that for him. And, you know, and there's not too many men who are 
you know, what, probably pushing 70 who are yeah up on current music like he was. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, yeah, LCD Sound System, uh, they recently played SNL. After they I have, loved it. They have reunited once again. Yeah. Uh, after saying they never would, they're they are back together. But uh, they played some of their old songs on there. I think it was one of those yeah, they, things where... They played two songs from the first record yeah. that are absolutely not singles. Right. And way, way I went nuts. Uh, I was like, yeah. are they really playing? <laughs> the, oh, my yeah, God. But it's it was one of the... I think it was one of those weeks where like they had a musical guest they had to cancel for some reason. And I wouldn't they, doubt it. They called up LCD Sound System, who played these deep, deep cuts, and somebody. <laughs> you guys are still in New York, right? <laughs> somebody on my timeline shared, uh, "I have discovered the worst band in the world, and their name is LCD Sound System." And I was like, "Bro, how is this even? What? The how are they discovering music? them right, in 2022? Right. And also, how is this the worst music you've ever heard?" But I'm assuming this is someone who's like in their 30s, right? Not yeah, like it's an a, 18 it's a year old. He's okay. like in the punk scene too. He's like in like the music scene, and I'm like, how? How are you not? How is the? How does this have nothing for you? There are bands like Saliva and. <laughs> <laughs> um, I admittedly have a long history of completely falling in love with bands after not liking them at, at first. Yeah. Like I even mentioned this, the strokes, I was just sort of like, this is kind of boring. Yeah. And like Interpol, uh, I did not like Interpol when I first heard Interpol. Loved them. Um, it took me a minute. I bought the record because people wouldn't shut up about it. And I was like, <laughs> fine, I'm going to get it. And then I, I fell in love with it. Um, the first song I heard by Interpol that I had, I had it downloaded was, uh, NYC, yeah. the, third track and i just thought it was kind of no one yeah <laughs> so okay here <laughs> amazing is, lyric the subway is a porno which everybody goes huh, huh? <laughs> yeah so uh there are i'm realizing i'm piecing together now because i was going to point out that um the reason i first listened to interpol was because i heard somebody uh, some reviewer compared me without you to them which makes zero sense i think it might have been the same review that compared them to the talking heads which is why I listened to the Talking Heads in the first place, and then was like, "This doesn't sound anything like me without you." And at that point, I was not into the Talking Heads, but I wasn't into Interpol when I heard it. But then huh. also later, I had mentioned "Me Without You" to somebody, and they said, "Is that that band with that song that says the subway is a porno?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> what? <laughs> How would Me Without You and Interpol getting compared to each other? All the is it because they uh, is it because their guitarists use delay pedals? That's really all I can think of. Yeah." Well, and Interpol was another band with a very deep aesthetic, right? Like, oh, we, yeah. we were talking about, fa like, yeah, so let's get back to the fashion, because the way that the Strokes changed fashion was, it was, oh, it was God. landmark. Like, overnight, overnight, you looked stupid if you were wearing bondage pants <laughs> and... And a really baggy T-shirt. Yeah. Like, what if what you wanted was skinny jeans that were ripped yes. up, a Levi's jacket, yes. and whatever you wanted to look like you 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 wanted to look uh, working class. Sure, I would say sure. almost it was this almost like throwback and yeah. nod to Bruce Springsteen yes. style. And I remember even like around like two thousand three, two thousand four, every everybody was wearing the ripped jeans, the tighter jeans, and every single guy, like as preppy as they came, were growing their hair out. 
<clears throat> and that yeah. was just what the fashion became. And, and the for me, like Nick Zimmer from the uh, mm. Yeah Yeah Yeah, mm-hmm. he himself had it because the Yeah Yeah were about four years after the Strokes or three years and blowing up, and he had a distinctive look oh, too, yeah. and he had like the skinniest jeans. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fever to Tell is two thousand three, so and they okay, had the EP, that. Okay, had I was the wrong EP before two. that. Yeah, so they were around the same time. But, but no. But it was like immediately, and I, I talked about like you know emo's love affair with classic rock. Like mm-hmm. a lot of that came out of there too. And so I remember even like <laughs> the I have a number of friends who were super into emo and hate Juliana Theory. And the reason they hate the Juliana Theory is because the lead singer would wear leather pants. Yeah, he would he he would kind of embrace the rock stuff a little more. He was definitely in that like Led Zeppelin aesthetic. Uh, I I mean I myself embraced a bit of that in the sense of more on the the country rock and roll route where I have I bought or not bought, sorry, one Christmas when I was like I think twenty one my folks got me cowboy boots yeah. because it's what I wanted. And they didn't just go by like yeah. whatever cowboy. Like we went to a real Western. There was like this one big Western store in the Detroit area. We went, I tried them on. Yeah. They were expensive because real cowboy boots are expensive. <laughs> yes, they are. And I wore those constantly. <laughs> I wore those constantly and I didn't even think about it. And they look good with skinny jeans, like whatever. And now, um, you know, if I was if I was to wear them, I wore them so much that I it, I felt normal. And if I was to wear them now, there would be a bit of me that would be a little self conscious about like, sure. oh, people are gonna notice that I'm clicking when I walk, <laughs> and I'm kind of tall. Shoes. Yeah, but uh, no, like people cowboy boots kind of became a thing again too at the time. Yeah, I definitely remember that. I definitely remember like even bootcut jeans. Like so there was like mm. the bit between like the big heavy jeans, the big wide jeans and the skinny jeans. There was definitely bootcut jeans definitely had a moment. Oh, they I cuz I owned them. I owned <laughs> they, so many bootcut jeans. I had I had several pairs of bootcut jeans. There was a Levi's ad where a guy rode a mechanical bull and I was like I want them jeans. It just, yeah, and like if you're gonna get bootcut jeans and wear sneakers with them, it's kind of like I still like, wore, I still know. wore Chuck Taylors with them. <laughs> but I had so many of those. Yeah, and there was just it was this, it was this throwback to the because yeah. you would look at Zeppelin and you would be like, oh, oh they look so cool. I even uh, or so, Sabbath or whoever. <laughs> so I we've been doing a whole lot of home renovations uh, this past week, and I have discovered that. Black Sabbath is my go-to home renovation music. I just it's, just, like, it's just great. It's like, all right, I got to tear out this vanity. I'm going to put on Master of Reality real loud. It's like, yeah, a few bands that I feel were very influential this time that I think have maybe been retconned out of the, uh, the cultural canon. Um, the first, I would say, is The Doors. I blame Almost Famous for kind of getting them out <laughs> of of fashion um but i remember like making making the doors not cool yeah oh i agree like i i mean because the the whole uh lester bangs yeah. character yeah that um line, in that film that line is 
like he was like Iggy Aiden. Pop, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna listen to Iggy Pop, and guess what? I got an Iggy Pop in the Stooges yeah. because of that movie, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, but yeah, but then he trashes Jim Morrison and the Doors, but like. <laughs> yeah. So many of my friends were deep into Jim Morrison in the door, and I mean, more in the doors in particular. But like, I had several friends who had like the American Poet t shirt <laughs> with like the picture of Jim Morrison on it. Yeah, um, I had a picture that was like a very like contrasted photo of Jim Morrison's face, very stylized, you couldn't really tell who it was. And anytime I wore it because of the way my hair was. I always would have someone ask me if it was me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So like, but they were, they were incredibly <laughs> instrumental in, and in influential in that, uh, aesthetic in particular. Um, a couple of the other bands that everybody was listening to and now no one would admit this were ACDC and Guns N' Roses. I feel like both of those bands mm-hmm. have absolutely <laughs> lost their uh, goodwill <laughs> with the, let's say, music critique uh, Illuminati. Um, it is yeah, that's a good way to put it because they're still like everything we're mentioning. It's they're still huge, 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 but it's a certain kind of music critic hipster yeah. person that um, I remember like getting really into ACDC and really liking them. And yes, are they reinventing the wheel? No, but I think what they do is really great. And I think they have one hell of a greatest (laughs) hits collection, if anything. Yeah. And, uh, I remember talking to some people in like the, the mid two thousands and being like, uh, I had ACDC's live album on in the car and they're like, AC, like really, like really (laughs) ACDC. And I'm like, uh, it was, I think it was just called ACDC Live. Okay. I can't remember, okay. but it was, it was, uh, I mean, in that, because yeah. it's a live album, it's basically Greatest yeah. Collection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and yeah, people are just like, Yo, you're really, <laughs> like, you're really grooving the ACDC? And so I'm like, yes, I am. My, How dare you? One of my favorite things that anybody has said about ACDC is either Angus Young or Malcolm Young uh, said, I'm... It it irritates me to no end when people say that ACDC has just released the same record 11 times. Mm -hmm. The fact is, we've released the same album 12 times. (laughs) 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 Like that level of self-awareness. That's good. I really appreciate that. But like, and then Guns N' Roses, like Mm -hmm. they definitely were at one point the biggest rock band in the world. I mean, Appetite for Destruction is still considered a, yeah. a classic, and I, I stand by it. I, I have a hard time standing them. It might be because of oh, the type I, of I people, love Guns N' Roses. It might be because of the type of kids in my high school who were super into Guns N' Roses, and I'm like, meh. But, like, there's very much, like, that was the aesthetic. Like, the Slash, Axl Rose, was like, that sort of, like... Even in, like, Stranger Things Season 3, yeah, when, like, the yeah, bad... Yeah. The, the new kids oh, show Billy. up there's the billy like that is the that's the kind of guy who yeah. i think that season set in 85 or something but like that's the kind of guy who uh was definitely listening to like motley Crue and yeah. poison yeah. and would have bought guns and roses yeah and uh there was definitely something about that that appealed to me like totally like uh i mean i learned uh, I remember watching Welcome to the Jungle music videos on, on VH1 <laughs> and 
MTV and uh, uh, learning. Yeah. Um, Sweet Child of Mine is one of the most fun songs to play on guitar. It's absolutely a blast. It, yeah, it's it's a oh man, it's also the source of one of the worst covers ever put to the internet. <laughs> I will send who, who I will cover send Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, it was just there's some guys in a gra in like a back room. It's like they're recording it for okay. themselves <laughs> to promote themselves, and they are not correct at any point of the song <sighs> yeah but no but like guns and roses and acdc were probably some of the biggest aesthetics musically that guys like jet in particular um totally and uh the darkness was very much copying into this uh it was just I, that first darkness record is still I think front to back really, really good. I am. <laughs> I love the I am surprised you say that because it's a that's good songwriting. Sure, but I I am surprised you say that because, in as far as my awareness is concerned, they didn't have any songs besides "I Believe in a Thing Called Love." That was the only song they. Had. Then you didn't listen to that first. I mean, I I've not, I've I listened. Nobody who did. <laughs> they all. Oh, were. <laughs> I listened to the heck out of that. I'm looking. I'm looking at their discography. They had on, more than one. Yeah, oh, so they had permission to land and one way ticket to hell, and then they kind of imploded. Sure. And, um. And I listened to Permission to Land a ton. Yeah. One way ticket to hell. I remember thinking it was okay. And then they like disappeared. And I, I think there was some drug stuff and uh, band members got replaced. And then they came out in 2012 with hotcakes. And <laughs> I got back. I was like, it was right back. Like the yeah. cover <laughs> is sexy ladies on pancakes being covered oh seductively God. in syrup. It looks like uh, it looks like a James Bond type. Oh, art. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember getting that and like putting it on the car with Lauren and she was like, well, they haven't missed a beat, you know, like <laughs> right. it was like eight years off well, and they come right back with the same I mean, stuff. They were basically spinal tap. D- yes. What- kind of like die- living, dying era, fully, fully embodying. <laughs> yeah. That. They were absolutely uh, just doing that, which was great. Um, I also feel like this is spinal tap had like a big resurgence in that era as well i wonder i i in my memory i feel like every house i went to had that on dvd what spinal tap yeah (laughs) yeah just like and maybe it's just like you know it's suddenly released on dvd everybody's getting dvd players and that's one of the movies that's really cheap and people are like oh i kind of remember this being funny in the 80s and then they all yeah i think it. it's a lot of dads going oh yeah we got a dvd player now honey can you pick me up <laughs> right final tap right. i like that but one so it, it's so strange because it really was this kind of hearkening back to like the 70s and 80s glam rock blues rock garage rock you know we throw it all now under the bus of classic rock which is a useless term um but like there was that moment that I don't know if that brought the rock revival, if the rock revival brought that or chicken and the egg cart and horse, like what it was. Um, but it was all tied in together. Um, and you had mentioned, uh, earlier the, the end of this era is that 2008 vampire weekend. And then you've got, you know, all these other indie bands springing up. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's important to remember is that in 2008, 2009, 
a bunch of these original rock revival bands are all either quitting or releasing kind of duds. And so I forget yeah. which Strokes record it was. It was the third the third Strokes record, um, Im- Impressions of Earth. That was, was the second one, I believe. That one, or no, that's no, the, the second one. Room on Fire. Room on Fire. Yeah, the third one. I remember when that came out, and I was like, "Yeah, oh no." And then, like, what? Uh, was it Block Party? I believe a graphic. Was it called Graphic Nature? I just remember there's a lion biting a zebra on the butt. There's the <laughs> third record was when they kind of lost me. Yeah, and um, Interpol also had inter- a third yeah. record that was kind of lame. Uh, yeah, white. our love, our love to or admire, and I, I hang, I, I'm a ride or die for <laughs> Interpol. Yeah, but like people will ask me, like, oh, you're still listening to Interpol? I was like, yeah, I'm still listening to the newest one, Marauders, really good. And they're like, oh, is it as good as Turn on the Bright Bright, bright Lights? And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not. Right. It's you know, it's, it's like, be. is the new Bob Dylan record as good as Highway 61? It's just not gonna <laughs> be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, watch Bob Dylan um, release his best record of all time <laughs> like next week that last <laughs> record of his i really wanted to love it uh rough and rowdy ways I I and uh i never uh, I, I never took was, the time to sit down and give it the time uh, i did and it's it's not yeah good um but no and then also like so you have all these bands releasing kind of crummy records or at least mm-hmm. lackluster. We can say at least when even the killers, the, you know, they've how many albums it. they've put out? What like eight albums it's at this point? But be. really, everybody knows that first record and that maybe the Sam's single Town. off of Sam's Town because I remember buying Sam's Town because I did like the single, yeah. and the Sam Sam's Town as a record was not good. Like right, I was not imp- my sister had Sam's Town and I was not impressed. Besides that one track, which is yeah. Uh, when you were young, right? It doesn't look a thing right. like Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a good song. It's a great song. Uh, and then, uh, but like, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, it's, they're still going. The killers are still active now, but you know, yeah. 2008 also, I feel like the white stripes broke up around the same time. They, or at least I think it was 2007 or eight because yeah, they, they came out with, um, the, uh, Thump. Oh, the, thank you. The Northern lights. No, it was, it was Icky Thumb was their final record, and then they broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, surprise, everybody. Actually, we're, ex- we're ex-spouses. I think that had been leaked. But I think <laughs> I think it might have been Pitchfork who did the digging on sure. that. But, um, and again, like, uh, you know, the oh, and, and going back to late night stuff. Yeah. The White Stripes, for some reason, had a very tight connection with with Conan. Oh, yeah. So I just remember distinctly at the time there being certain bands that had this tight late night connection, which we don't, you know, the only thing you could say now is Jimmy Fallon has the roots as his permanent house bands. But I can't I can't think of when I think of Colbert, I don't think, oh, yeah, he has (laughs) on so and so every six months and he loves them. Andy Serkis. You know, yeah. (laughs) It's like a member of of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was gonna say for Colbert it would be actors and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was this era. Um, I don't know. It was really special. Yeah, and he's even in the music video. Uh, Conan is for. Um, oh shoot! Is it uh, doorbell? That there's some piano heavy white stripes. Door, doorbell is a very right, piano right, heavy there's, one. There's some video where Conan O'Brien is in it. 
Like the song. All right, now I'm gonna. I'll put that stops. in the show. I'll look it up. And put it yeah, in the show. The notes. song stops, and like Conan O'Brien walks in, and I think has a conversation with them, and then walks out, and the song starts again. I might be mis- it, I might be remembering that all wrong, but Conan O'Brien is definitely in a White Stripes music. Because I believe he intentionally had them on as the, the last, last musical yes. guest for his, his like late late, late show. Uh, before he moved over oh, for like six months, and, and also I believe I believe they're also his last guest on Tonight Show. Yeah, I gotta look. Or that Jack up. White. Yeah, I want to. I want to say like something jam, like that. It was like a big jam band with Jack White. Um, but I just remember the whole. I remember the whole thing. Uh, uh, I know we're kind of off topic, but it's of we're, the era. Yeah. The whole. The whole. Conan O'Brien finally, <laughs> finally Leno goes away. Finally, we're all like, "Oh my God, thank you!" And the 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 young people's favorite, <laughs> the young people's favorite Conan yeah. takes the spot, which had been in the books forever. Oh man! And then Leno gets bored and says, "I want the Leno show, and I want it." To, and so then no one's watching the Leno show, right. and so he goes, "Actually." Okay, NBC, I want you to put the Leno show on at 11.30 and start the Tonight Show at 12.30. And Conan's like, the Tonight Show's been coming out at 11.35 since the dawn of I believe, television. I believe it was 12.05. No. Uh, he wanted 12.05. Leno wanted him to push it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that and, far, but then Conan was like, it's not the Tonight Show if it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yes. I remember that line. And it was this whole drama. And it, like, turned, like, people like me who already do do have a very low opinion of Leno for reasons I won't get into here. You know, I was like, wow, you're really stepping into that villain role. But then people who were indifferent or people who didn't even like Conan were like, dude, that's kind of crap. This guy's, like, 35 and finally gotten his show. And yeah. You know what the heck? And you're, you know, go go retire with your cars. Yes, I really did enjoy the chaos of Conan's. Uh, the show is going away, and NBC has to pay for whatever I want. Era. <laughs> he had fun. He yeah. had fun. There is a bit where he rents a Bugatti and plays the original master recording of Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones over it just because it was an expensive <laughs> segment. And that was the entire segment. Was this this has cost us a whole lot of money. Oh my god. What a what a what an love, era. Love um you O'Brien. pulled it up the other day. I'll, I'll say before we wrap up this talk show thing is there's a great documentary called Conan O'Brien Can't Stop where he Can't was stop. legally um Contractually obligated to not appear on television for a year. And so he did a live tour. He did a live tour called the Conan O'Brien is legally prohibited from appearing on television comedy. That's that's right. That's right. It was something like that. It's a not even documentary. And it it, it does obviously show Conan. It shows Conan at his worst. And that made me like him so much more because he has every he has every chance to go and just be a complete. Uh, to, to, he has every right to really set the score, and he doesn't. Yep. He kind of keeps it to himself, and it just says that's life, and yep. moves on. Yep. And uh, I don't know, made me respect him a lot. Yeah. But anyways, garage, I can't, I can't garage I can't wait for the Conan O'Brien HBO Max <laughs> series. I have no idea. Is what there it's, one? It's coming. It's coming out. Oh, it's coming I thought out. he. I thought he was gonna kind of be done after uh, his uh, TBS it's, show. It's not a talk show. 
It's some okay. other feature. Okay. So, um, and like they've been pretty tight-lipped about it, but hmm. it's uh, I'm I'm just excited. Well, now for I'm gonna. Conan does. I'm gonna look that up for the show notes too. Yeah. Uh, now, do you have any any other things to say, or are we fully no, garage we are, rocked? We're garage rocked out. Gar- revivaled out. Um, I will. You know, just it was a weird time. If you haven't listened to the bigger stuff we've we've talked about, I mean, do yourself a favor and listen to it. It's, there's a reason. Uh, you know, it, like any movement at the time, like if you go back and when Zeppelin came out, there is a billion forgotten yeah. Zeppelin clones, and uh, there's a reason why we remember Zeppelin, and there's a reason why we're talking about the bands that we are talking about. Yeah. So that's all I'll say. Uh, yeah. Nat, do you have a weekly pick for this week? I do have a weekly pick. Um, Before that, I just want to uh, share a revelation I had the other night revisiting Kid A, and that is that (laughs) How to Disappear Completely might be the most beautiful song I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. So I was going to bring it up naturally earlier when we were talking about Radiohead, but it strayed pretty quick. Um, because that was only a tangent about Oasis, which is a tangent about whatever else. But um, my pick this week uh, is the album Heavy Pendulum by Kaven. Kaven has has been, you know, maybe three or four different bands uh, across their lifetime. Uh, It's mostly been the same lineup. They did have one collection of like singles that was released with an old lead singer. Uh, and then they did have a bass player who died a few years ago in an accident. And uh, they have, you know, started off as a hardcore metalcore band. Uh, then they listened to a whole lot of hum and failure and released a hmm. really great post metal album called Jupiter. And then they released a really great space rock album called Antenna, which was on RCA Records. And they toured with hmm. the Foo Fighters with that which is i, I, I miss this completely because when you say cave in my brain thinks of from autumn to ashes and shy halud and poison not. the well absolutely and all not. of these maybe shy halud a little bit bands of that Florida. the hardcore era right uh no and it confuses me that you're that you've missed cave so much because they are like super good buddies with converge i know um, i need to i need to like fix this yeah. and go and back so and try to try to the, get into them. The guitarist from Converge produced their first couple records and they produce he produced the newest one. Uh and the bassist of Converge played with them for like their uh Caleb Scogan anniversary or like memorial tour. Uh hmm. that's the bassist who passed away. Uh hmm. or Caleb Schofield, sorry. And he is now a permanent member of the band as well. Hmm. And also in the Blood Moon project that is Converge and Chelsea Wolf and Steven Brodsky from Cave-In. Uh, so okay. they are very, very tied in there. But, uh, but yeah. So yeah, Cave- I need to just dig in. It just seems right. I didn't even know they were still making. Honestly, I just I just was like, oh, they're like Poison Well from Unmatched or any <laughs> other hardcore bands of yeah. the 2000s where eventually you have to support a family right. and you realize you can't do that on this kind of paycheck and you move on. <laughs> right. Um, so Caven is unique because after like making their major label record, they wanted to make heavy music again. 
Mm-hmm. And so they actually, um, I don't know if they negotiated their way off or if they were kicked off of RCA and then went back to Hydrahead Records, which I believe is the label started by Aaron Turner of ISIS. Okay. And then after that record, they made like a full on metalcore record again, which was a bizarre <laughs> string of events. Um, they did release one album a few years ago called Final Transmission, which was just kind of fleshed out demos that their bassist was working on uh, before he had passed. But then Heavy Pendulum is as. Is it their newest it's one? It's their newest one. They, so like I said, they've been three or four different bands. Heavy Pendulum somehow feels like all of them. Uh, this is like the most cave-in they have ever felt and it is the most cave-in they've ever given us it's like 75 minutes long and there's not an ounce of fat on it it is okay so So that's a proper double lp length it is a proper double lp and it is uh heavy and melodic it has all of their like metalcore and hard like maybe not quite metalcore it has like definite hardcore moments has definite space rock moments has definite like classic rock moments like steve brodsky is also in a band called mutoid man which is like very much like into like almost cheekily into like the sort of like schlocky classic dad rock well and that's the band that the guy who does 12 minutes to midnight is in yes okay yes the 12 minutes to midnight guy is involved with cave in as well I only discovered them after seeing Thursday uh, live this past fall and Thursday being name dropping it yeah, and being like, there was someone who requested that we cover this. And so we covered it. I'm like, what? Uh, cover Bruce Springsteen's uh, Dancing in yeah, the Dark. Yeah, yeah. Huge thing for me. So I Googled it. I look it up, find it. And turns out the channel is full of stuff that is interesting to people yes. like me and yes. i was like why have i not heard about yeah, this so, um, but i had not heard of mutoid man right. which is the guy who runs its like band okay yeah steve so there's a connection to cave yes. in through there yeah steve brodsky okay. is the other guy in mutoid man okay so um also 12 minutes to midnight also did several years ago pre stranger things season four did a cover of running up that hill by kate bush with uh, hmm. Emma Ruth Rundle and I think members of Mastodon and a couple other bands that I don't remember, but it's a great cover. It's a great cover. Um, but yeah, Heavy All Pendulum right. is an incredible record. Uh, it doesn't have an ounce of fat on it. It is just great. I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get into them because everybody oh, yeah. I know is like, dude, get into them. So I actually heard their like 2011 record first and like almost immediately was like, this ain't for me. Okay. And then a couple years later. Oh, so you never heard them back in the day? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. A couple years later, a friend was like, hey, have you ever heard Cave In? I said, yeah. And they said, well, did you hear their album Antenna? It kind of feels like the rising tide by Sunny Day Real Estate to me in certain ways. And I was like, what that's not what i heard from them at all yeah so i then i went to there and said okay if this is what they're doing what else are they doing i got into i got deep into cave in in the span of like a couple weeks all right <laughs> I just devoured them I'm, I'm gonna have to go on this journey because i still only know that very first record yeah and again it like coalesced it was right, in the right absolutely it's in the zeitgeist the zeitgeist <laughs> of of yeah of the New York or New Jersey, um, the East New Coast. England, yep, they're hardcore scene. Yep. Anyways, yeah. okay, Cave in Heavy Pendulum. 
Matt's pick. Uh, my pick is uh, Idols Crawler. Um, Idols has become one of the biggest bands out right now. Um, I mean, I say that fully recognizing that you're not going to turn on the local rock radio station to hear <laughs> Idols. But like, if you're a music nerd who they've goes got, to festivals and hype. pays attention, got hype. Idols has become huge. So I first heard of them because uh, my, my best friend Evan was wearing this Idols shirt, and it was just interesting. Like, the t-shirt <laughs> yeah. was interesting. It was... Uh, like a like a woman with like a ski mask on, kind of like like full body hugging this guy, and had, she has a like crazy eyes. And I was like, I think that's what's on the shirt. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, that's like a evocative image. Cool. What's that? And he's like, oh, it's just like punk band, blah blah blah. And I'm like, you don't really listen to punk. And he's like, well, they're like post punk and they're doing this thing and da da da. And I was like, okay. And I like kind of forgot about it. And then a couple weeks later, someone else mentioned something about idols. And I'm like, okay, so I check them out. And, yeah, I liked the music um, on that second record that was really big of theirs. Uh, I mean, even the title of the record I love, it's called a Joy as an Act yes. of Resistance. Yes. I mean, that's a hell of a title. And so you listen to them, and they sound angry and scary and violent, and then you pay attention to the lyrics, and the lyrics are very much um, anti, anti all the bad things, anti-fascism, <laughs> anti-racism, uh, and... So I liked that record. Their third record came out uh, about two years ago. Not even, not even two years ago, I don't think. Uh, and without even taking much of a breath, I think it was like eleven months between records. They came out with this new one, and it's maybe their most ambitious thing they've done. It's called Crawler. Uh, I can't remember if it's on a major label or not, but whatever. It's pre- you know they're they're pretty known now. And they really do mix it up. Um, They do slow ballads. They do this normal, very heavy stuff that sounds like a drunken English pub fight. (laughs) Um, If you you don't know the band, they're they're British, and the lead singer... has like a kind of he sing like he has a good voice but it's it's like it's like Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse sure. where it's like oh that takes talent to do but like he's not going to win American Idol <laughs> he's got this deeply yeah. almost thick thick British accent when he yell things and it yeah. you know so yeah and Anyways. to your point that they just there's a lot going on I have tried a few different times to get into idols and every time and I'm not like. I need to just listen to a record. I haven't had the, haven't set the time to do that. But I think you'd like Crawler. I, I probably their newest would, one yeah. was probably their most accessible, but and not that you need, not, not that you need that. <laughs> you see me perk up, sort of puffed up my chest. <laughs> not that you need accessibility, um, but no, like it's got this nice breezy intro. Yeah, it's it's a good record. Yeah, but there's just so I have no idea. Actually, I've listened to them several times. I have no idea what they sound like. It's like, um, it's like, is this electro? Is this post punk? Is this hardcore? Uh, is this you know, just, uh, I, it's all over. It's all po- over. Punk or post punk? Yeah. Um, you know, and they've even rejected because when they came up, people said other punk band. And he's like, well, not a punk band, and it's like, right. okay, guy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like hearing Turnstile be like, we're not a punk. You're like, you know, sure you are. I don't know if Turnstile's ever said that. I'm just saying. Uh, so, yeah, right. they're they're punk, but uh, they're very political lyrically and so there is a sort of rage against the machiney vibe of when you listen to them um and every time i've seen them live like he gives pretty impassioned speeches about rising fascism in both his country and ours 
Uh, Important stuff. And they're a very inclusive, you know, in a band of all white men, it's nice to see them doing it's like hey like this is who we are we're buds we made this band but like we want to do everything we can to make sure you all know you're all welcome that just because up here we're not the most diverse group and look look of yeah most diverse group of people you know um and drive by truckers have been another band that have really done that i think because being like hey we're a bunch of white guys playing southern rock but like (laughs) everyone belongs here and that please know you're you know that wouldn't go well in certain southern rock shows well, they, I mean, them and Jason Isbell have kind of gotten good for them. Uh, blacklisted in certain aspects. Good for them. But, uh, anyways, Idols, Crawler, it's a scary, powerful record. It's my favorite, I think, of theirs. There you go. Another one in the tank. Another one in the tank. Uh, we're going early this week. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, I really appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. Later. Gonna click the stop. Thank you for listening to Deep Food Radio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Jesse Atkinson and Matt Fitzgerald, who apologize for their rambling, but they also won't adjust their behavior, so their apology should be taken with a grain of salt. If, for whatever reason, you want more, you can follow at Detuned Radio Pod on all socials and visit DetunedRadioPod.com. Someone, please, sponsor us.